Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship, Cyprus, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. Join us as we continue our study through the book of Acts, Luke's account of how the Holy Spirit breathed life into and empowered the early church to fulfill the Great Commission after Jesus' passion. Amen. Thank you, church. I love sometimes just to stop singing and listen to y'all. That's good fun. If we don't know each other, my name's Johnny Marks. I'm one of the pastors here by Bayou City, Cyprus, and it's uh, wonderful to be in God's house today uh, and getting into his word a little bit. So thank you for being here. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 17. And I, before we get too, too, too crazy into it, I wanna remind us today what we've been talking about. What in the world is the mission that Paul is on? And it's the same mission that you or I are on, right? Matthew 28, Acts 1-8 tells us, he says, look, I want you to go... And I want you to testify about the things that you have seen, about the resurrection of Jesus, about the power of God, about this good news that there is salvation for everyone. Right? He says, I want you to go and teach everybody what you've been taught. I want you to testify to the truth, and I don't want you to stay just at home and do it. I don't want you just to stay in your hometown, but I want you to take it to the whole world. This is the mission that they're on. It's the mission the church has been on since the beginning. It's the only plan for the salvation of the world that God's people, those who have been saved through grace, would share that with everybody that they meet, everywhere that they go. It's a very simple, straightforward strategy. This is the mission that we find Paul on as well. Last week we talked in Acts chapter 16. Do you remember? Did you fall asleep? That's okay. It's the beginning of his second missionary journey. Acts 17 is still this second missionary journey that Paul finds himself on. And here's the thing. Acts 17 is full. We have baby dedication of things. We're not gonna have an hour-long Bible study this morning. I just want you to know, I'm gonna give you some extra homework, all right? Those of you that hate homework, I'm sorry, but it's the Bible, so it should be fun. First and Second Thessalonians are wonderful letters that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, which we'll talk about in Acts chapter 17, make that connection. It'll really kind of bring to life a little bit more. We have some highlights here in Acts chapter 17. Okay, and then I'd love for you just to go back and read this, right? Read it. Don't ever just take Sunday mornings as your only word for the week. You'll starve to death spiritually. Go home and read the scriptures. Take it in, understand it. We'll talk about a couple of people that did that on the regular in Berea. Over the years, I've, had, I've heard the gospel in my life before, when I was an atheist and all along the way, and I've all had these different responses to the gospel, the, the truth of God's word shared with me. I've rejected it, just straight up rejection. I've resisted it. I started to get a little curious, and now I can't get enough. And the gospel is the fire that keeps me going. And I've, as a Christian, had the wonderful opportunity of sharing this same good news to other people with varied results. Right? You ever have the TV things? There's always a disclaimer. Results may vary, especially with weight loss. (laughs) This is so they can't get in trouble. Right? The results may vary. They give all the great claims, but the results may vary. Well, you know what? We have the greatest claim, and the results still vary. I've had some very frustrating conversations. I remember the first 
thing that I did with students, we put this student conference together, and in my brain, we were gonna go and share the gospel, and every single person was gonna come to Christ and fall down in repentance and confession and get baptized, and we were gonna, the revival was gonna break out. That was my expectation, and it was a terrible, terrible thing. It did not go that way. Have you ever shared the gospel and you felt like God's spirit was leading you to somebody, and they were like, what are you talking to me like this for? Or maybe it was that family member you've been praying for and you went out and, and it just, they totally rejected you, right? And then maybe you went out and you were, you were just telling some of the good news. You had no idea who was listening and that person maybe come to Christ. They were totally open to it. Here's the reality. Sometimes when we get rejected or resisted from the good news that we share, we quit, don't we? We get real discouraged. Have you ever been there? Because you had an expectation of a, a result, right? A response from somebody that wasn't what you thought it was gonna be. And I don't know, maybe you're here today and you've quit altogether. Maybe you've been so discouraged that you have quit sharing the good news. You have stopped sowing the seed of Jesus because of those varied results. I don't have any mind-blowing truth for you today except this. It is your job to tell the good news. You have no control over the results. Don't you hate that? All the control freaks in the room, raise your hand nice and high so everybody can see him. And all you other liars, put your hands up. <laughs> yeah, we know how this works. <laughs> you just think you're not a control freak until you don't have any, right? You're just better at holding on to it maybe than some other ones. We're gonna find out today that we've responded in various ways. Other people will respond in various ways. And I want you to see what Paul does in the three places. We're gonna find three different cities that they go to with three different results, three different responses to the gospel. And then hopefully we can glean some wisdom from that towards the tail end. We're gonna go rapid fire because uh, otherwise we'll be here for a very long time. Paul and Silas, so they take off and they head to Thessalonica, right? They're, remember, they wanted to go to Asia. God said no, send them to Macedonia, right? So they're going up towards uh, Rome and kind of up into that region. Again, remember, the tools are in the back of your Bible, the maps and all those things, so we can all be as smart as everybody else. This is what it says. Now, when they had passed through Amphip uh, excuse me, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, Right, so there may not have been that much going on. They, they passed through those two towns and came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. He reasoned with them from what? The scriptures. He didn't reason with them from his own philosophy. He didn't reason with them from his own ideas. He didn't reason with them even about the culture of the day. He reasoned with them from this, the word of God the scriptures, and he used the Old Testament explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and, for, and to rise from the dead. And he says, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. So he goes into the synagogue and he uses the scriptures to prove again and again from the Old Testament that what is being written now as we know the New Testament, right? This Christ is the thing you've been waiting for, is the one who is the savior of the world. Sounds like a pretty great, great conversation. Who wouldn't want to take that good news? Who wouldn't want to know the Christ, especially the Jews who had the promise for generations? What was their response? Well, in Thessalonica, they resisted it pretty heavily. They resisted the word very, very clearly. Let's see, it says this. 
And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did many uh, of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Several times, you're gonna, I'm just gonna say it now so we can get out of the way. You'll find in a, a couple places in this chapter, a lot of women came to Christ. And I don't know if it's because they're smarter than us. Maybe, probably so. But God changed the hearts of not a few prominent women here and a lot of prominent women in another city as well. And I wonder, I'm sorry. Are you ready for the next passage? I'm just gonna say this though. I wonder what it is if our pride and ego get in the way. I'm gonna talk to the men in the room for a real quick second. This is not about men and women, but it's important. If our pride and our ego get in the way, we are hindered from living into the purpose that God has for us because we think we're smarter, we know more, we can't get out of our own way. Our pride and ego as men in particular, this happens to be a sin that men have a lot. I have a lot, right? Don't ask my kids, they'll tell you the truth. Pride and ego hinder us from living this gospel life. And if that's something that you find yourself struggling with, let it go. Let it go. I don't know the whole song. That's all I got. Off topic, sorry. And it says this, that, but the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble. Hey, uh, we got this RC club. Yeah, we like to play cards. What are you into? Oh, I'm part of the rabble. Right, he took some in part of the rabble. These are... You know, these are your uh, off-color types, the people who are willing to cause a ruckus. And it says they went, and it says they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, who was housing Paul and his friends, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason out and brought him to the city authorities. These men, listen to this. I want you to think about where else in Scripture you've heard this. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. How dare he? And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. Where else does that happen in Scripture? This is the same accusation that came to Jesus, wasn't it? They're, they're claiming that he's a king. They came to turn the world upside down. What were they turning upside down? You know what they're turning upside down? Their system, they were turning upside down their way of living, their way of making money, their power control, and all these other things, their selfish, self-centered living, they were turning upside down with this Jesus. You don't get to be in control of the whole world. In fact, your authority doesn't mean anything in the real kingdom of God. There is only one king, and his name is Jesus. And of course, that rubbed them the wrong way. It rubbed them the wrong way. So it says they got the city in an uproar. They resisted the gospel in Thessalonica. There's amazing, wonderful things in First and Second Thessalonians. I want you to go read it because uh, it'll give you some more insight, right? These are the highlights that Luke is giving us. Verse 10, so they, Thessalonica, they resisted the gospel. So the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night. We, didn't hear, we don't hear from uh, Timothy until later now in Acts. And he may have stayed in uh, Philippi, uh, doesn't say, but um, some believe that he's still in Philippi. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and they received the word, listen, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So if in Thessalonica they resisted the gospel, in Berea they received the gospel. 
They received the gospel. And the Bereans should really be our standard, right? They should be our standard. They received the word with eagerness. Do you receive the word with eagerness, even as a believer? Is it with eagerness? Like you can't wait to hear what God's gonna say next? I've had seasons where I was eager for the word of God. And I've had seasons where it was a grind, you know? Where it was a grind. But the Bereans, they received it with all eagerness. And then let's see what else. It says, they examined the scriptures once a week on Sunday. They examined the scriptures at that, okay, two days a week, I do Sunday and a Bible study, right? No, it says daily. They couldn't get enough. They knew that their spiritual food was a daily thing. It wasn't a couple times a week. It wasn't your TikTok Christian um, podcaster. It wasn't, it's crazy that we get spiritual advice from TikTok, y'all. I mean, they examined the scriptures, right? Paul reasoned from the scriptures. The Bereans examined the scriptures. Do you know why? You shouldn't just believe what your preacher says. You better know what he says is true. And I'm telling you that you should always check and examine the scriptures to make sure that what you hear on a Sunday morning from this platform is absolutely true and is found in this book. Otherwise, if you just take, oh, well, it's Pastor Johnny. He's a pastor. He knows the scriptures. What he says is exactly right. Do you know how many pastors have led their church astray? Do you know how many people have strayed from the true gospel because they just took it at face value and didn't examine it for themselves? And if something is said that is not true, you need to let me know. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed and not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Now when God is working, see, the devil has missionaries too. God has sent his people out, but the devil had missionaries too. And he came with resistance. And so it says this, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there also and they agitated and stirred up the crowds. So they sent Paul off because the gospel needed to keep on going. So Paul by himself heads off to Athens. And it says, now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, because he sent for them, he said, hey, I need their help. I want them to come and join me. But he was by himself cruising around the city. And we won't get into Athens. There's so much history and some things with Athens. It was full of idolatry. There, there was an old ancient writer that said one time, he says, you're more likely to find a God than a man in Athens. And so Paul's going around and it says this, in, in verse 16, it says, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. What do you do when you're provoked in your spirit? What does that mean? It's when something is stirred up in your guts and it causes you to be uncomfortable in a way that creates action for the gospel. Right? His spirit within him was like, oh my gosh, these people are lost there is work to be done for the gospel. Like he was stirred up. He was like, what in the world is happening? Good thing nothing like that's going on in the world. So we can't really relate. But And so he goes to the synagogue. He reasons with the Jews. And then he goes and has this conversation. What was in Athens was public discourse. There were places where you could go and share ideas. They loved to share ideas endlessly 
ideas, these ideas and those ideas, this philosophy, that philosophy. And he goes and he, he starts to share this, this idea about Jesus and they're listening. And what they did in Athens, if they resisted in Thessalonica and they received it in Berea, they ridiculed the word in Athens. They're like, what is this babbler talking about? He's like, he's bringing all this new stuff. See, because the Epicureans and the Stoics, one were atheists, one were pantheists, right? One was about experience, one was about, you know, just making it through. And so they take him to the Areopagus. This is kind of their council. And Paul does something that is tremendous, and we're gonna get to this, and then we're gonna uh, move on. Paul came across an idol to an unknown God. I love this. This is one of my favorite parts of the chapter. To an unknown God. Now, you could look at the idolatry in Athens, and he had, could have one of two responses. Paul could have been like, these people are crazy. He could have gone outside the city, oh Lord, bring down fire and smite these people. We have this response a lot in the world to things that stir in our spirit, don't we? Those sinners. I can't believe those people are so immoral. I can't believe that they live like this. Idolaters and ugh. And as Christians, this is our attitude towards people. But Paul takes this idolatry and instead of leaving and separating himself out from them, he engages it and uses it as a tool to share the gospel with people who otherwise would die in their sin and be separated from God forever. He says, men of Athens, look, I see that in every way you are very religious. And I've observed this, this object where I found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown. This is what I proclaim. He took what he saw and used it to connect them to Jesus. And then he goes on. I'm gonna let you read it for yourself. The rest of it is he uses that thing, the unknown God, the idol to an unknown God, and he tells them about Jesus. And he starts at the beginning the God of the universe, the one true living God, created everything. And he goes on to say that he's the creator, he's the judge, and he's also the savior. And he tells them about Jesus being the Christ. And it says a few people believed him and joined him, and another woman did, and a few others with him. So we see this response, right? These three different responses in three different places. And I think for us, it's really, really important to understand he used quotes from their own philosophers in his proclamation of the gospel, verses 23 and 24. You can look at that. It wasn't that theirs was different truth. It's happened to be that their philosophers agreed with the ultimate truth, and he used that to connect the gaps, right? To bring them to the place where they could hear about Jesus. And it can be frustrating when we go to share the gospel and it doesn't happen the way we want to. So I want you to write this down if you, if you can. Here's our job, right? When we get stuck, then we find ourselves in weird situations, a group of people who are resisting. Maybe there's eager people. Maybe there's people who are just scratching their heads or just not really getting it, right? They make fun of you. Testify to the truth and let God do the rest. It's actually that simple. Testify to the truth and let God do the rest. 
Our job as Christian men and women, believers of the gospel, it is that simple. Everywhere you go, with everybody you meet, testify to the truth. Let God do the rest. Parable of the sower, very, very quickly, right? You know this parable, Jesus says, the sower went out to sow seed. It doesn't say that he tried to put it anywhere. He said he was just sowing the seed. He was throwing that stuff everywhere, right? And it said some fell on the hard path, some fell on rocky soil, some fell where there were weeds, and some fell on good soil. It doesn't say that he only tried to put it in good soil. It says that he sowed it everywhere. Testify to the truth. Let God do the rest. couple things to help keep you encouraged and to keep you from being discouraged as you tell people about Jesus. The first is to be a connector of the gospel in the places that stir your spirit. For Paul, he found himself stirred in his spirit about the idolatry and he engaged it and used that thing that he saw in order to tell people about Jesus. What stirs your spirit? How can you use that to connect Jesus to lost people with the gospel of Jesus? As you go, throw. (laughs) You can't control the response of others. That's the point of this one. As you go, throw it. It doesn't matter where it falls. Your job is to sow the seed of the gospel. As you go, throw. You can't control the response of other people. Some will resist you. Some will receive it eagerly and others will ridicule you. The point is it doesn't matter. It's God's job. This is the next one. It's God's job to change the heart. Only he can change the heart. I didn't die for anybody's sins. I didn't resurrect from the dead. I didn't take anybody's sins on my shoulders. I can't change a heart. I didn't give breath to anybody's lungs. But God did. And he's capable of changing the heart. It's your job to sow the seed. The last one is this. Opposition is part of the job. Hear me. Opposition is part of the job. As Jesus went, he received opposition. He said, you're gonna receive opposition if you obey my teaching. If you live for my name and share the good news of Jesus, you will, you will experience opposition. Here's the scarier question. If you don't have any opposition in your life as a Christian, something is wrong. I'm not talking about self-inflicted opposition because you're worried about other things and not the gospel. But as you sow Jesus, if there's opposition, you have to realize that's part of the job. That's part of the job. Here's the deal. The word of God, the gospel of Jesus, is the standard by which we can engage the culture, speak about life and philosophy, This is what we stand on because the philosophy of the day will change. You'll be blown around all over the place if you're attaching yourself to the philosophy of the day. But if you attach yourself to the word of God and the true gospel of Jesus Christ, you will be firm and can accomplish this amazing mission that we see Paul and his friends doing too. Here's my challenge. Let's be like the Bereans. Let's be like the Bereans. Let's receive the word with eagerness. Let's examine the scriptures daily and then let's go, as you'll find, let's go and share that with everybody that we can. And we'll see the kingdom grow because God is growing it, even if we experience some opposition here and there.
We're gonna end our time with prayer. I wish we could sit here and talk for hours. I really, really do. There's so much in there, right? Uh, we could take each city one at a time. We could, but our expe- my expectation, God's expectation is that you take this and you go that it create a hunger in you that you go and study it for yourself, right? And create that eagerness to be sowers of the word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we have an opportunity to, um, I don't know, Lord, just that we have an opportunity to uh, know you better, to hear your word better. Father, we pray that you would um, let this sit in our hearts. Let it sit in our hearts, Lord. God, as we continue just to um, be together as a family and to um, worship you, we just ask, Lord, that you would care for us. I'm gonna ask my uh, friends who are gonna be our prayer team to come up and if you need prayer, if you need uh, to be prayed for, uh, pray for somebody, this is the time to do it. It's also a time where we do our, uh, our giving, our tithe. If you're a believer, we have the amazing opportunity and wonderful privilege to tithe to God as a matter of trust and obedience and uh, we're so thankful that we get to do that. You can do that online. You can also do it, there's a box outside. We're not passing the bulls right now but it's an opportunity for you to continue to worship in that way too. I'm gonna ask you to stand and as we sing this song, that you would use it to pray and seek God. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Cypress app to find community in the body of Christ.